0: Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Sakamichi Nights.
1: Welcome back to Tachikawa Tokyo. My name is Matthew Boynton, and I'm joined, as always, by the original lord of the dance, Daniel Bellamy. I'm glad you remembered. What is your favorite dance of all time?
0: Uh, I like dirty dancing. I feel like most people know this about me. Yeah. This is a well-known fact. Yeah, yeah. It's on my LinkedIn.
1: You've had the time of your life. Yeah. Yeah you've never felt this way before
0: yeah i think people know that nobody puts baby in a corner
1: uh, that's absolutely true what's your favorite scene from dirty dancing
0: uh you know the dancing
1: Yep. They guess they're getting dirty the swayzing and uh, the dancing yep uh, good answer how are you doing this week i'm great i'm doing well
0: have you had an interesting week you know what? I will tell you. Uh, I've had a good week because I have not had a bicycle accident this really? week. Really? Okay. Yeah.
1: It sounds like there's a fascinating anecdote behind this.
0: Oh man, you're always you're you're always hyping me up, and it's it's really unwarranted. Unload it. Uh, I have not had a bike accident this week, but as you know, in the world, other people have. I actually witnessed a bicycle accident this uh-huh. week. What happened? Uh, I was on a, a fairly wide sidewalk in uh, in Nakumeguro and I was standing at a food truck uh waiting for some food
1: as you do important question what kind of food was the food truck serving
0: uh it was like uh it was a uh fried chicken on rice kind of thing with various sauces
1: sounds pretty good
0: it was pretty it was really well you know i don't think the guy listens to this podcast there's chances are he doesn't listen to this podcast the rice was not great it was like again my kind of thing which normally i love but it was real dry Uh, The chicken was outstanding. Was it very wet? It was a real letdown. Yeah, no, sadly, no. Maybe it could have balanced it out. Uh, But uh, yeah, anyway, the chicken was great. The rice, not so
1: much. Spoiler alert the beer we'll be drinking this week apparently has a very wet mouthfeel. Yeah, I I read that. I'm looking forward to it. Perhaps you could have paired that with the the very dry Genmai. If only I had thought of that. Please continue. Uh, So I was
0: standing on the sidewalk. This sidewalk is quite wide. There was a section for bikes, which was painted blue, and a section for pedestrians, which was unpainted. We were kind of standing on the edge of the pedestrian bit uh, where this food truck was in this lot on the, uh, like, you know, not on the road side, on the the building side, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't see, there was a guy on a road bike, a Cannondale road bike who came up. I think he was going quite fast, and this was the problem. Uh, a lady on on a momachari was coming the other direction, an older lady. And he, I think, tried to thread the needle behind us and go past her. There was another bike at the same time coming towards him. Mm-hmm. He went to his right and she went to her left. And they basically went directly into each other. Oh my God. They both hit the brakes. So they didn't collide that quickly. Uh, he... Sort of slow motion, fell off his bike. His handlebars got stuck into her, the plastic basket on her bike. She mm-hmm. was fine. She stayed on her bike. Those charries are tanks, aren't they? Yeah, I have a feeling the woman was a bit of a tank as well. Like, uh, you know, metaphorically speaking, not not in terms of her stature. Right. But uh, she seemed fine. She was some fifty-something-year-old lady. She seemed totally fine. He was unresponsive on the ground in the fetal position, holding his face. Right. Uh, and everyone was kind of wondering what we should
1: do. He was uh, was appealing to the referee. He was looking for a red card. So
0: at first I was worried about him, yeah. uh, But then over time I was thinking, like, what did he hit his face on? The only thing that he could have hit his face on was, like, her face, I think.
1: His own pedals as he went down.
0: Yeah, maybe. Uh, But he went down so slowly, I don't think he really hit anything on the sidewalk. But he was just kind of lying there holding his face. She was fine, so I thought... they. How have they... And yes, over time, I realized that he was uh, he was playing the crowd for a bit of sympathy. I think right, he knew right. he had been going too fast. Uh, and since he had gone to the right... Like, you know, I don't know that anybody really expects you to stay to the left on those lanes. But definitely more so than going to the
1: right. Were they actually in the bicycle lane or were they on the, the walking side? No, they the were on the walking side. Yeah. Right, so... They were in the wrong place, no matter which direction they turned. I think in terms of
0: finding fault in the whole situation, the police would have been like, you both screwed up. Right. Uh, There's no way to prove how fast anybody was going. I I think that he maybe caused it by going a bit too fast. But I, I kind of appreciated his commitment to his technique, which was
1: just lay here. Right. Because he didn't speak eventually everyone will leave and i'll be free to (laughs) to just stand up and walk off
0: yeah basically but he didn't respond at all and so at some point someone just said we people were asking him hey do you need us to call you an ambulance and he was not responsive and if you do that long enough eventually people go right he's not responding let's call an ambulance he might actually be dead right yeah uh and i still hadn't had my chicken yet so this was really kind of screwed up my day
1: maybe this is why the rice was so dry it was, uh, it was still it in the We been surfed, which is
0: like sitting out there while we watched this man bleed out uh, on the sidewalk. Uh, anyway, as soon as someone said, I am going to call an ambulance, suddenly he was fine. Okay, he stood up. He he, he kind of well, half got up and then he tried to tell the lady that she was at fault and she was not interested in that perspective on things. She unloaded on him uh, in the way that 55-year-old battle axe kind of women can do. right. And told him what she thought of his theory about how this all went down. uh, And then basically rode off, leaving him there. And he got up and he was fine.
1: So in the end, everybody was fine, except for your dry rice.
0: Yeah, dry rice. Me. I was the one that was...
1: I'm the real victim. You're the real victim here.
0: I would like to file a report.
1: When, uh, When you were given this dry rice, you should have fallen to the ground and clutched your face in the fetal position when you first took a bite so
0: it kind of leads me into my question about the whole thing which is like in in what other situations can i employ this technique basically anything just fall down yeah clutch your face in pain yep. and be non-communicative
1: I, th- I think it works in basically any situation, hmm. right? Um, if your wife or partner asks you if you took the bins out and you forgot that morning. Hit the deck. Just, yeah, fall down to the ground, clutching your face. Curl up some tears, maybe. You know, whatever you want to do. Hmm. Um, dignity is your enemy in this situation. <laughs> um, you want to just look as pitiable as possible. Yeah. So they, they turn away in disgust and then you throw down the smoke bomb and you make good your escape.
0: Yeah. I guess uh, at some point, they're just going to give up, right? They're just right. going to say...
1: I'm, I'm going to call an ambulance. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yes.
0: Obviously, you have some mental problems. I'm going to call an ambulance. And no, no, you. wait, wait, wait. Uh,
1: I, I did forget to say the bins <laughs> out, but this is kind of your fault, actually. That rice was very dry.
0: <laughs> anyway, that was my. Uh, it's the, the exciting thing that happened to me. I've long maintained as a, as a longtime cyclist in Tokyo that you are much safer on major roads than you are on sidewalks or mm. small side streets.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because even though the speeds are lower, uh, people are totally unpredictable, either driving or on bikes or pushing strollers or walking. Uh, and I think the, the possible outcome of an accident on a busy road is worse for you. Because right. if you get hit by a car at high speed, that's obviously much worse. Uh, but I think the chances of having that accident are much lower, in my opinion.
1: I, I think I broadly agree with you. And um, when riding home now, I tend to take the main road because drivers there have to be aware that there are other road users yeah. mm-hmm. on that road because it's it's a two-lane road for most of it. Yeah. And so they have to be aware of what's going on around them. But the the side road, the back road, is a single-lane road, mm-hmm. basically. It's mm-hmm. one way for most of it. And people don't really seem to be paying attention. Yeah. Right? They're pulling out from side streets. Mm-hmm. They're... Taken up the whole road in occasion, and like I have yep. to pull into the gutter to avoid being run over and that kind of thing. So it is much safer to stick to the main road where people are mm. at least aware that there are other road users yeah. around them.
0: And in general, uh, fault defaults yep. to the larger vehicle in Japan in case of an accident in general, not yeah, always. That's the assumption. So drivers that? have a vested interest in watching out for you.
1: That is true, but. Doesn't really matter how in the right you were if they're scraping you up off the pavement. Right? <laughs> the, the laws of physics don't with, really apply. With my dying breath. Yes, I'll say. You were in the wrong You oh, I was in the right. Yeah. <laughs> so you still like you, you can you can only be so aggressive in these situations. Oh, like, you sure. still have to be very yeah, aware so that you're if still that still truck ride, hits you, yeah. they're gonna get in more legal trouble, but you're gonna be in more physical more trouble. medical trouble. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: You still have to ride defensively.
1: Are you aware of the Japanese concepts of honne and tatemai? Yeah,
0: yeah. sure. What, like, do,
1: what do those two things mean? It's like your what your real face
0: and the, the face that you present, right? Like your, what exactly. you show to people. Yeah,
1: exactly. So your, your real inner self mm. and then the self that you present to the world. I had an interesting example of that today when I went for a meeting with some bureaucrats about our beer license mm. uh, and... They, um, they gave one of the reasons why it's going so long, why it's taking so long. One of the reasons they gave was that they were worried that my business partner, that means you, mm, yeah. was unable to get into the country because of the, the current Japanese border closure. I,
0: I wish someone would, to, would have told me right? that it's, I was having this problem. It's a
1: real shame that you're stuck in America. And um, so my, my tatemai, my, my presenting face to mm. the world, said... Right, well, actually, if you check the, the piece of paper in front of you, you will see that my business partner actually is a resident in Japan. Right. They yeah. currently live in Japan. As far as I'm aware. Whereas my, my hone was more like, look at the f- piece of paper in front of you, you f- pig, f- thick as mints, f- moron. You pig. F- There's going
0: to be a lot of bleeping in this
1: episode. A little bit, yeah. Hmm. I might have made some work for myself there. Um, so that's an interesting example, I think, of, you know, one's inner self versus the self that one presents to the world. And uh, that's a very Japanese thing, isn't it? Mm. There's no other country that does that in the world. You don't think so? <laughs> I was being facetious. I was going to say, yeah. That's exactly something that happens everywhere. But um, but they have words for it in Japan. So. In, yeah. Uh,
0: I think that uh, in some cases, I think it might serve you to let that out. A little bit. Maybe Mm. not in so many words, Mm -hmm. but uh, sometimes people need to have the fear of God put in them.
1: This was unfortunately not one of those cases. But um, after we've had our license, perhaps uh, I can write a strongly worded letter to the ombudsman or something like that. Did you think
0: about uh, just hitting the deck in the fetal position and clutching your face? No, I didn't. That's an excellent suggestion. If only we had recorded this podcast last night. This rice
1: is really dry. (laughs) Fall to the ground, clutch the face. What is he doing? Is this a foreigner thing? It works in literally every situation. Mm. I thought we might start the episode this week a little bit different. Why don't we start with a listener question? Okay. Interesting mix-up. I mean, we're 13 minutes in, but sure, let's start now. Let's start the episode. So, thank you very much for the question, Casey from Ishikawa, um, host of The Bean Pod which if you enjoy podcasts uh, and you enjoy podcasts about Japan, I very much recommend that you listen to. Um, I know that you're a big podcast fan, Dan, but if you could possibly find time to squeeze another podcast into your already packed podcast listening schedule, this is one that I would definitely recommend.
0: You know what? His podcast really appeals to me. I see the tweets about it. Okay. It's just him talking about like his garden and stuff.
1: So, as sounds a, great. As a person who has never listened to a podcast ever, hmm. yeah. would you care to take a guess as to what the contents of the Bean Pod are? I see the tweets about
0: okay. uh, the Bean Pod. So uh, he does a weather update yep. in Ishikawa. Is yep. that right? That is correct. Uh, he talks about the garden. Yeah. Um, he plays
1: songs as well. Is that
0: in the... The podcast, or that's a separate thing?
1: No, that's that's live in the podcast. That's
0: in there as well. I saw you did uh, No Rain from Blind Melon, which is one of my f- all-time favorite songs. And great, still, great, great band, And great yet song. you
1: still didn't listen to the podcast.
0: Yeah, no, I still don't. But uh, but in terms of all of the podcasts that I don't listen to, which is all of them in yep. the world... Yep. Uh, including that, this one. That is including this one. That is very high on the list of uh, podcasts
1: that I don't listen to. Top five, would you say? Yeah,
0: definitely. It appeals to me in you know just like... Here's this guy just talking about his life. That's what I, that's what I want. Don't mm. teach me anything. Mm, mm-hmm. Don't just listen to this guy ramble about his garden. I like it a lot. I like I'm, the concept.
1: I'm not here for the true crime podcasts. No. I just want to hear Casey talk about what the weather is like by his house. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your excellent questions as always, Casey. The, the one that he sent us this week is, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this whole thing. Um, I was thinking about ingredients like hops and malt grains. And I'm wondering if there are any highly desired ingredients like the black truffle of hops or grains, something that is really expensive or rare. Um, Related, are there any trends regarding using new or novel ingredients in beer making? Thanks. So that's from Casey. Let's Mm. address the first one first. Mm -hmm. Do you think there are any, what what would be the, the equivalent of, A black truffle or something that's very hard to get hold of, um, very expensive, very rare, but something that people want to use in their beer making. I can't think of any
0: kind of traditional beer ingredients that fall into that category because everything that is uh, in terms of hops, malt, yeast, it's all pretty widely available what we're using, right? There's Right. there's There's nobody producing, I don't think. Real kind of exclusive strains of yeast that only a few people can get their hands on. Uh, but in terms of adjuncts, then it, it's probably the same as anything else. Like things like black truffles that are mm. relatively rare and, and expensive.
1: I've Never heard of somebody putting truffles in a beer. I'm
0: certain it's been done. I, I'm certain it, it has,
1: but it's probably not very nice. Mm. We would hear about it more often. I think you're right that like... People put coffee beans in beer sometimes, mm. and it might not be a specific coffee bean, but it might be some coffee from a particular roastery, or from a particular producer. It's right. particularly desirable. That might be a, an example of it. Um, I think it almost works the other way around, though. Like some beers are the black truffles of the brewing world, mm-hmm. aren't they? There was a the name doesn't spring to to my lips, but there was a, a guy making New England IPAs that were basically incredibly desirable and everybody wanted to have them but they also had to be drunk incredibly freshly mm-hmm. so basically you had to go to new england to be able to drink his beer right. from the source uh, because that, that kind of beer kind of goes stale goes off mm-hmm. really quickly doesn't right. it? Um, so that's that's another example that i could think of i guess uh barrel aging is a big thing
0: so i, I and and you know barrels are expensive and mm. and uh
1: those desirable um, barrels,
0: yeah. I, I suppose that could be a thing, right? You could get barrels. I think I saw recently, um, I don't know a ton about whiskey, uh, but I think I saw wow, where did that turn up? There was a, a barrel aged beer. Oh, it was New Belgium's new thing, maybe, but they had aged it in uh, barrels from Heaven's Hill whiskey, and I believe that is a good kind of whiskey. I don't want everybody okay. jumping down our throats, but uh, it is a name that I recognize. Um, I don't know if that 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 means anything, but. I suppose if you were getting uh, whiskey barrels from an exclusive distillery, mm. that could be something that would be kind of unobtainium to a lot of a lot of people. Right. Shiga because- Kogen, uh has a, a familial relationship, I believe, with uh, what Ichiro's Malt, uh, another whiskey distillery in Japan. They get some kind of highly sought after barrels to age their beers in.
1: So those would be very limited in number, very expensive, very exclusive kind Mm. of ingredients. I think that's a good example. Another kind of similar example, and maybe this is also related to the second question, is that there are always new strains of hops being developed and new kinds of yeast as Mm. well. So recently, Lalamand have released a a kind of yeast called Philly Sour, which is kind of having a, a hot moment right now. Uh, and when when things like this do happen, they can be kind of difficult to get hold of because mm. everybody wants to use them. Um, that's a yeast that um, naturally turns the beer sour, mm-hmm. so it's a different way of making a sour beer. You don't have to put any bacteria in it, and it produces a really interesting taste in beer. So that's that's very desirable. Uh, and an example from maybe a few years ago now is um, oceanic hops. So those. Because the the kind of the growing regions in Australia or New Zealand are smaller, it can be more difficult to get your hands on mm. oceanic hops. Um, so when new ones are developed, I remember when Nelson Sauvin was developed a while ago. Now mm-hmm. that was very very desirable at the time, but it was also kind of hard to get hold of just right. because there wasn't that much of it being produced. Yeah,
0: I think also a lot of the uh, maybe not a lot, but some of the large breweries. In invest in the infrastructure at hop farms to develop their own kind of private hop fields. Right. I believe that Firestone Walker's Luponic Distortion Series uh, comes from a field of hops, like a, a section of some uh, hop growers' farm where they are kind of making weird and experiment, maybe not weird, but experimental and new hops, and then they use those to make that beer each time. mm Uh, So I and I I think I had read about some other breweries doing similar things. So I I think there is like development and investment going on uh, by some of the big boys in the industry. And obviously that eventually that stuff is quite exclusive in the beginning. And then if it's popular and it's, uh, you know, probably in some ways just that it's easy to grow, then it becomes more widespread and more widely available for more brewers to use.
1: That's absolutely the case. And sometimes newly developed hops are only available to a very exclusive set of breweries. Mm. Maybe the breweries or the, the hop producers that invested in, in developing them. Right. Uh, and so I guess that's another example of a highly desirable ingredient that isn't available mm. um, to, the, to the general brewing public, uh, at least when it's first released. But as you say, as it becomes more widespread mm. and they, they're able to grow a higher volume, then it becomes available to the rest of us.
0: I wonder if a lot of that comes back to relationships, doesn't it? Like if you mm-hmm. have a relationship with the hop producer, then right, right. maybe you are first in line for some of those, the interesting new things. Or you have a relationship with the, the yeast producer or a relationship with a distillery, for example. You might be able to get your hands on some stuff that's not available to other people. Some things that are not for sale, for example, or, or uh, there's just not enough of it to, to go around for everybody. Uh, building those relationships I think is is obviously building relationships an important part of any business but can open the door to a lot of interesting opportunities that you might not have otherwise
1: absolutely and um, the place that hops are uh, developed can also have quite an interesting effect on their their flavor their character because it's not just the variety of the hop uh, and it's descendants that that affects its character. It's also just the soil where it's grown, Mm. sort of microflora in the the soil there can have a really profound effect on the the overall character of the hops. They contain an incredibly complex array of aroma compounds and flavor compounds and so on that can really produce different flavors and different characters depending on where and how they are used in the brewing process. And uh, I think the beer that we're going to drink this week is an extremely good example of that. Mm. What is the beer that we're going to be drinking this week?
0: This week we're drinking Vic Secret IPA. Uh, it's a Northwest IPA, which, as we all know on this podcast, is a style that is near and dear to my heart.
1: Would you care to... to- define that style for people who are new to the podcast
0: uh dank and piney i think are the two hallmarks you get uh with you know using kind of uh modern hops with it you're gonna still get a lot of fruity notes but there's going to be a a strong uh bitter backbone to Mm. it um it's going to come out usually a little bit darker in color a little more ambery uh amber goldish kind of color but uh dank and piney are kind of the two words that come up uh, and this one, uh, Vic Secret is the name of a hop specifically. That's right, yeah. Uh, but uh, this Vic Secret IPA is from Stoop Brewing, which is a heavy hitter out of Seattle.
1: Extremely delicious beer. So, Vic Secret is a hop that I think was developed in Australia, mm. in Victoria, in Australia, um, maybe about 10 years ago mm. now, up to maybe 10 years ago. And it's a good example of a hop that if you use it at different stages in the brewing process, it produces a very different character. Mm. So if you use uh, the Vic secret in the the whirlpool where the temperature is a bit higher, then it produces a a kind of earthy and kind of dank character. Mm. Whereas if you use it during the dry hopping stage, the lower temperature and active yeast going in there, then it produces a much more tropical and citrusy Mm. kind of flavor. Um, So apparently this beer used Mosaic in the Whirlpool. Mosaic is a really complex hop. Mm. And then Vic Secret in the dry hopping. So I'm hoping to get a lot of kind of interesting, tropical, citrusy, um, fruity kind of aromas from this beer.
0: I read an article uh, recently that kind of made my head spin, and it was about survivability. Survivables. Yeah, survivables uh, in hop compounds. And it was basically this premise that when you put things in and at what temperature and how long they're in is gonna affect what they release into your beer and the impact that they have on your beer. Uh, And it's really not as simple as uh, just put these things in whenever you want. They will do different things depending on when you put them in and at what temperature. And uh, you you can read a flavor profile of a hop and say, yeah, I want those flavors in this beer, but you really have to understand how to extract those flavors or mm. how to extract some of those flavors over others, uh, to get the most out of what you're putting into it.
1: You're absolutely right. Yeah. And it, it really does depend on so many different factors that, um, getting the the right flavor out of a hop, um, can be, you know, a really interesting balancing act between temperature and fermentation mm. and activity and a whole bunch of different factors. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's enough talking. Why don't we try the beer? Okay, we're back. Vic Secret IPA from Stoop Brewing. Is it everything you hoped it would be?
0: Yeah. The mouthfeel is definitely wet.
1: I noticed you didn't clutch your face and fall to the floor as soon as you tasted it. So that's that's a pretty good sign so far. I'm saving that. Uh, what are your impressions of this beer?
0: I get a lot of uh, orange tangerine uh, in the nose. Maybe a little bit of pineapple in there too. Mm, yeah. Uh we've had a lot of beers i think recently where what you smell is what you get tm i'm gonna save that that's a slogan for something
1: that's dan's uh phrase of the week yeah what you smell is what you get written on your business cards
0: yep uh but this one is not that you you smell a lot of orange and tangerine i get a lot of orange and tangerine in the nose and then when you drink it uh, it does come through quite dank and piney and resinous. It is dank, isn't it? There's a lot of backbone to it. It's 7.4%, so it's not a mild beer. Mm. Uh, it's not huge, but 7.4% is, uh, you know, there's some weight to it, and I feel like that really carries through in the body. Um, you, you you taste a bit of the alcohol burn in a, in quite a pleasant way. I think that melds with everything else. Um, it's a beautiful color as well. I skipped over that in the beginning. It's got kind of a rose gold look to it, like a, a little bit of ambery
1: in with the uh, with the, the gold kind of standard it, IPA. Color. Yeah, it looks like what you would want a Northwest IPA mm. to look like, doesn't it? For sure. I think maybe what's going on here is that you are smelling the Vic Secret because that's what it was dry hops with, that you're tasting the mosaic because that's what they put into the the whirlpool. So that's a pretty interesting illustration of how using hops at different stages of the brewing process will contribute to different areas of the um, the flavor or the aroma mm. and so on. I also noticed that this is a, a beer that 65 IBUs. Yeah. And um, recently we have sort of moved away on our tap boards from writing the numbers of IBUs and more towards just saying Hey, what is the bitterness of this beer? Mm. Is this high, medium, low bitterness? Because the IBUs by themselves don't tell you the whole story. Sometimes you can have a really, really high IBU beer, like the Shibakuzo mm. from Shio Kaze, but that's such a, a strong beer with so much residual sugar in it that it doesn't actually taste that bitter. Yeah. Your palate isn't getting completely blown out mm. by it. Um, whereas this one, it's 65, which is a high number. But I think you also, you taste sort of that. This is quite a bitter beer. Certainly. And I, I like that. Yeah. Um, the trend recently has been towards maybe a, a milder set of, you know, a milder bitterness. Mm. Um, maybe medium at best mm-hmm. when it comes to IBUs. But I do quite like a really bitter beer sometimes. Yeah. And this is one of those. It's bold uh, and unapologetic. I like it a lot. Much like the state of Victoria is. Bold and yes, bold and unapologetic.
0: Yeah. That's their that's their other slogan.
1: What's their first slogan? What you smell is what you get. Oh, that's your slogan though. They stole it. Oh, damn it! Get my people
0: on the line. Cobbers! How dare they?
1: Now, every week when we uh, drink one of the beers, we also try to pair it with one of eight things. Uh, the options from the wheel of pairings are: number one, food or cuisine; number two, TV or movies; number three, music. Number four, video game. Number five, location. Number six, activity. Number seven, drinking companion. Or number eight, wild card. Last week, we had wild card. Hmm. The week before that, we had music. Yep. So according to our rules, we can't roll either of those again. I
0: think if we get wild card again, it's fine. Because it's wild yeah.
1: card. Yeah, it could be literally anything. Right. So let's roll the dice. It can be anything except music. Number five, location. Right. So Vic's Secret. Where would you like to drink this beer?
0: This is, this is a camp out beer to me. When you go camping with beer, it's car camping. You're bringing all, you know, like the comforts of home. You're going to bring good beer as well. Uh, but it's cool at night. You're sitting around the campfire. I don't, you know, you don't need something light. And you're not necessarily need something refreshing or, or kind of spritzery. I think you want something bold in that kind of setting. Sitting around a campfire, having a chat. Maybe you went for a hike during the day. Um, You're just kind of relaxing in the nature. I want a kind of big beer in that setting. I want a bold beer in that setting. I feel like this would go really well sitting around a campfire uh, at a campsite.
1: Where do you see yourself camping? Are you in the Australian outback? Are you in the mountains? Are you in the forest by the beach? Uh, I think that...
0: Uh, kind of Pacific Northwest this is a Seattle beer hmm. that's a great area uh, Montana, kind of western Montana is a great spot for that I'm thinking like deciduous forests uh, right. down yeah. by the swimming hole yeah, I mean you want some running water nearby you want some mountains looming somewhere uh, yeah, all of that good stuff, tall trees a little bit of a clearing, fire in the middle tents around it you know, you got a warm spot to sleep, cook some tasty food, and you're sitting around in your camp chair with some good folks drinking this beer. That's my spot.
1: Where do you stand on somebody breaking out the camp guitar at this point, or even a harmonica? Yeah, absolutely. Would you be in favor of that?
0: I'm, I'm in it. You've seen me in karaoke. I'm I'm all about that. I would invite Casey uh, to this. Absolutely. He seems like he seems like the kind of person that. Would fit in there With you've, his beer
1: You've almost exactly Stolen my answer Because um, The place that I would like To drink this beer Casey's Is Casey's garden Casey's deck Yeah He was talking on uh, A recent episode About how he's planning To, to refurbish his deck um, And maybe even re- Refurbish the sort of area Outside the front of his house And maybe even build a deck mm-hmm. Overlooking his garden yeah. And I think that That deck Might be an extremely good place To drink this uh, Not right now Because it's all covered with snow yeah, but once the weather starts to warm up a bit, um, I think so. Casey's going to have to drive down here and pick me up. Obviously, right? Um, yeah. We can we can take a keg of Stoop Vic Secret IPA yeah. right. and possibly split that um, on on his deck, mm-hmm. watching over his garden.
0: I mean, anyone could take one look at the the chairs and the tables we made in here and know that we are exactly the kind of people that you want to call when you're going to make a deck and you oh. want it to be slightly wobbly
1: I want to make it sturdy and yeah. will last forever I also want to make it very clear that I will be doing no manual labor I, I don't know quite where you got the impression oh, okay. that I was right. volunteering to help her. we're just going to drink yeah yeah he's okay. gonna he's gonna refurbish the deck and then I'm gonna sit on it and enjoy drinking beer. right Okay. yeah no that's way better yeah, yeah. yeah. sorry that let's that, just make that absolutely 100% clear hmm well, thank you very much, Casey, for the extremely good question. And thank you for your open invitation for us to head over to your house and enjoy some beers on your deck.
0: Very kind of him.
1: Do we have anything coming up this week that people should know about?
0: Man, I tell you what, you're going to be excited about this. Tell you already me. know. Tell and me I know what. you're excited. I am but, excited. Uh, we have a beer coming in on Friday. It's another pre-order, which means it's about as fresh as you can get in Japan. Uh, you love belching beaver i mean we both love belching beaver's peanut butter milk stout
1: i love this beer uh
0: we also we have a keg of that yeah. coming in on friday yeah. but that's not the exciting news we also have a case of yes. uh, bottles of oh my god. belching beaver's peanut butter milk stout nitro, nitro edition oh my god which means uh they made the same beer but they packaged it with nitro gas uh, nitro Gas, famously used for Guinness and, and Kilkenny and beers of that ilk. And it gives you that kind of creamy, uh, really, really creamy mouthfeel. We recently had Nara Brewing's Sweet Memories. Mm which was a a nitro chestnut brown ale, I think. Yeah, chestnut brown ale, That was delicious.
1: Really fun to pour those beers as well. You've got to absolutely dump them out.
0: That's right. Flip it straight, you know, give it a bit of a, a little gentle roll on the table to kind of mix it up and then crack it open, and put it straight up and down into your glass. Obviously, a glass that is large enough to hold the contents of the bottle or can.
1: Or you could just chug it right into the belly.
0: I guess you don't get to see it, but I suppose you get to feel it as it kind (laughs) of filters down through peristalsis. Uh, But I'm super excited about that because that is a great beer. And not every beer needs the nitro gas treatment. But that is a beer that's quite rich and creamy and smooth on its own. And yeah, I feel like the nitro sweet, gas yeah. is gonna take that, like those great aspects to it of it, to a new level.
1: I already love peanut butter milk stout. It mm. kind of tastes like a peanut butter cookie. Yeah. It's really sweet and delicious, but also nicely balanced. I, I'm generally not a fan of sweet things. Mm-hmm. I don't like sweet beers at all, but peanut butter milk stout is so good. And so even if it's a failure which I don't think it will be. I am looking forward to trying this different version yeah. of this beer that I love so much. So that's coming in on Friday, yep. isn't it? Uh, and then at the weekend, I'm heading down to Shikoku, excitingly. Mm. It's going to be very exciting to brew our second anniversary beer, yep. um, which for the first time is going to be available in cans, we think, uh, at our second anniversary event Mm. fingers crossed we will actually be open for that Um, it does look like there is a a stronger lockdown coming yeah Um, we'll be watching the news just like you um, but hopefully we'll be open and even if we're not we will be able to sell cans of that beer that's uh, right in march at our second anniversary we have a
0: takeout license so we'll be open for can and bottle sales regardless And since we'll have this in cans, that will be one of the things we'll be selling. That'll be pretty exciting.
1: The first ever Sakamichi beer in cans. Mm. Very exciting. Well, that's about all we have time for this week. It's been an extra special bumper episode. Thank you very much for listening. Please stay safe and we will see you again next time.
0: Thanks for listening. Thanks for the questions, Casey. Talk to you guys next week.